the point is, is that when you start sharing your faith in a disciple relationship or small group with other people, there's a place for these things to come up and actually have a conversation with them because they're kind of safe, right? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 2024 and the Salty Pastor Podcast. We have a really big year laid out before us. The Salty Pastor Podcast is going places we have never gone before. We're going out into the deep water. Our motto is fluff is not enough, and it's going to take on a whole new meaning. Over the course of the next year, regular listeners of the Salty Pastor Podcast are going to be challenged to go places in their faith they have never gone before. It reminds me of when Peter first interacted with Jesus. He had been fishing all night long and had caught nothing. He was cleaning his nets after a long shift, and Jesus uses his boat to speak to the crowds. And after he was done, Jesus said to Peter, cast out into deep waters and let down your net. This is what we're going to be doing this year. We're going to cast out into the deep. It's going to be a great year, a new year with new possibilities. And of course, the captain of this is the salty pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Well, welcome everybody to this new year, 2024 of Salty Pastor Podcasting. I'm really excited about casting out into the deep. I'm excited about letting down the nets and let's see what God's going to do. What is he going to, what miracles is he going to perform and create in your life, through you, in you, the people around you? God is wanting to expand his kingdom. And when we become a part of that uh, process, what happens is we grow strong. And I think that's one of the biggest things about our new theme for the year is that it is a challenge for us to grow stronger in our faith. And I think we really need it because when I look at our world that we live in and I I just look at uh, uh, a lot of the diverse opinions and I look at the diverse ideologies, we really need a compass to help navigate that and allow us to look with optimism to the future as opposed to cynicism. And so it's really important. The more you know about your faith, you know, more you know about what you believe and why you believe it, the more you realize that you are called to grow strong in your faith, then the more courageous and optimistic you get about the future. So I think it's just going to be a great year for us. I'm excited about it. I hope that all of you will grow along with us, share with your friends, ask them to become regular listeners, you know, listen to it and then get together over coffee. It doesn't matter if you're in Arizona, Georgia, Connecticut, if you're in Alaska, it doesn't matter where you are. Just get together, have coffee, talk about it and how God is growing you strong by being a salty pastor or listener over the coming year. I'm very excited about our time together and I hope you are as well. The theme for 2023 was the kingdom of God. And on Tuesday, you shared the theme for 2024, which is expand the kingdom of God. We looked into the biblical principle that that the goal of living in the kingdom of Jesus is to grow strong and mature in your faith. This year, we're going to focus on how our involvement in expanding the kingdom of Jesus is the path to growing strong and mature in our faith. Mm -hmm. We looked at Hebrews 5 and Ephesians 4 and found the biblical principles of spiritual maturity is a must something we are commanded to do. And two, sharing your faith is how you grow spiritually mature. Yeah, I think that's a very important principle to to point out because most people that think that sharing your faith or expanding the kingdom of God is a duty. It's just something that you're supposed to do, right? It's a chore. It's something we do out of gratitude to Jesus because of everything he's done for us. It's what's the least I can do because he 
loves me. Well, what these passages show us, the ones you just mentioned, is that the ability to share your faith, and I mean more than just witnessing. I'm not, when I say sharing your faith, I want to I make sure you understand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going down, you know, knocking on doors in, in your neighborhood and saying, hey, have you ever heard about how much Jesus loves you? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is sharing your faith, the totality of your life with other people, okay? It's more than just witnessing, all right? Once you understand that what these passages are saying, they are saying the ability to share your faith with people is a path to maturity and strength in your own faith. Hebrews says, by now you should be teachers, but they weren't because they were still needing milk. They weren't eating solid food. So when you start to share your faith, when you can teach the principles of God to other people because you understand them clearly and you know what you believe and why you believe it, you can, you can share your faith by witnessing to other people. You know, you can be at a, you can be at a party, an office party, or standing around the water cooler. Or you could be someone says, "Hey, well, where do you go to church?" And that, uh, and you you realize, "Hey, I've got a really great answer to the bigger questions." Right? I'm ready for that moment. Okay, so you can witness to somebody who's asking a question. I was just talking to a family. Uh, in our church, and they were talking about this gal and and her journey of faith. And what happened is she says, well, the way I became a Christian is she had a friend on that she had known, and they knew they were uh, social media buddies on Instagram. And her friend became a Christian, and her friend started to post on social media, hey, this is what's going on in my life. So when she bumped into this friend in real life, she said, hey, what's going on with you? And in that moment, her friend led her to the Lord. Mm. So that's called witnessing, right? But there's other ways to share your faith, okay? You share your faith by teaching, right? You share your faith by discipling. You share your faith by using your spiritual gift. You, you find out what it is and you use it. You are tra- When you do these things, you're training your senses to discern good from evil. Do you remember that on Tuesday in the passage? He said, look. It says the solid food is for the mature who, through constant use, have trained their senses to discern good from evil. So when you share your faith, and I mean that in the general sense that I just defined, is how you begin to eat solid food of the faith and grow strong and mature. Yeah, I think it's so important that we just really focus on growing our faith. And what you said is... is that maturity is the key part of it, right? Like if you really want to grow your faith and you really want to grow in your maturity, then part of this is sharing your faith. But you're, you know, people hear that phrase and they immediately go, well, that means I need to go stand out on a corner with a sandwich board screaming, the end is near, (laughs) repent, you're all sinners and you're going to burn, right? And so it's like, I think that's that's not really witnessing. That's not witnessing (laughs) and that's not the only way to share your faith, which I think is also important clarification. Yeah. You you listed four, which was basically witnessing, teaching, yeah. discipling, and serving with your spiritual gift. Those mm-hmm. are all four ways that you should do that. And I'm assuming throughout the year, we're going to be talking about all four of those things. Yes? Yes. Yes. Perfect. So um, we're going to have a study focused on teaching you how to do each of these things and how to best share your faith in these four different ways in the world so that you can grow strong. And like, I mm-hmm. loved what you said on Tuesday, which is, 
this is not you doing God a solid. Like this is not you being like, okay, yeah. well he asked me to do this it's part so of I'm the deal. Do it, right. Yeah. And this is the same. And, and you have to be careful that you don't let that same thing happen in your other parts of your life. Right. Like you're not doing your prayer life of, well, I'm supposed to pray. So I'm just going to sit here and do it and yeah. check it off the list. Right. I'm going to yeah. read my Bible and check it off the list. I'm yeah, gonna exactly. Go to church on Sunday and check it off the list. Right. Like, that's not growing your faith. That's accomplishing tasks. And that's not, (laughs) that is not the same thing. One, I mean, you do get some endorphins from checking things off lists, but that I don't think that's the the level that we're looking for. So I think it's so important that we don't just let this be a, well, we're just doing it because pastor Doug said, or we're just doing it because the Bible told us to, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is about you and your personal journey of faith. And if you want to grow strong in your faith, if you want to be mature in your faith, this is the next step. And you can't be a, come about it as uh well i'm just going to do it because i'm told to yeah it has yeah. to be a, i want to grow exactly and that's going to motivate you and push you and you're going to want to be out in the deep water right like yeah i think getting out in the deep water is where it's bad because the shallow water is not good for you it's bad for you immaturity is bad for you most importantly you get tossed around by the world remember in ephesians he says you are no longer tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. So you're not going to get tossed around by the world when it comes to your marriage. You know, anybody who's been married for more than 10 years knows that you have great times and you have hard times Mm -hmm. in your marriage. And the, the thing that you start to learn over 20 years or 30 years of marriage is that most of the bad times in your marriage happen when you are tossed around by the world and you start letting the world influence you and your expectations of your spouse. Right. And so, uh, in your career, you know, you can get tossed around in your career all the time by stuff in the world. You can get, you know, if you can get involved in office politics, if you want to, you can get offended, you can get, you know, you can get all kinds of things and, the happening in your own career, in your business, and you can feel unappreciated. And, you know, you can get tossed around by all this stuff in the world. But the bottom line is, is mature people navigate that with wisdom, right? And they get through that. Uh, What about your investment portfolio? You know, your four, guess what? It gets tossed around by the world all the time. It goes up and it down and up and down. How do you navigate all that? Mm. Right. You need to navigate it with maturity. If you're immature, you do what, you know, you make mistakes. And that is when it goes way down, you sell and you get out instead of just sitting and waiting. I mean, this has been proven strategy of what you should do all the time. How can you do that? You have to overcome your inclination, your emotions, and force yourself to do what you know is the right thing to do. Sit and hold. What about in your parenting? You know how many kids have been messed up because of stupid, can I say that on the salty pastor? I stupid mean, parenting pastor, philosophies. Not the nice pastor. <laughs> it, it, they're just plain stupid, right? Yeah. And they come out of these idiotic definitions of what it means to be a human being. And so, I mean, so many kids have just been messed up. And so it's so sad that that immaturity is bad. It's bad for you and it's bad for those around you because it allows you to be overly influenced by the world. When you grow to maturity, it's really good for you. It's super good for you. In the Ephesians passage, it says that when you're mature, you're no longer 
manipulated or tossed by the culture. You know, I look back historically just in the last 50, 60 years, and it's shocking to me. You know, in the 60s, the pill was introduced and made widely available, okay? And the age of the hippie was born. And they would go around, and they, they all talked about free love, right? And what they meant was free sex. They wanted free drugs, and they wanted free sex, right? And so they were just having sex. And the reason why is because there was this thinking that the reason there is a moral standard for saving yourself sexually for marriage is based on the fact that you could get pregnant. So society made it up because they just didn't want illegitimate kids, right? Well, uh, that reason was no longer valid because guess what? Well, now here's the pill. So there's no problem. Go out, be free, have sex with anybody you want. Well, the end result was disastrous because guess what? STDs started to run rampant. Right. The whole the whole issues of syphilis and gonorrhea and and herpes and all these types of things that that came out, you know, and CSV, all these types of things just exploded in the 70s and 80s. Oh, maybe there is another reason why you should save yourself and not be sexually active. So then the big push became, well, wear a condom, right? And that was a huge thing. The, the second thing is, is that happened. Some women, not all, but a lot of women began using getting pregnant as a way to try and keep a man, right? And so they would try to find a way to, to get men hooked into them, uh, particularly men who are famous or ath uh, sports athletes and things of that nature. So, so this was, this was, interesting is that this notion hey maybe you should be you know sexually restrained and save yourself for marriage uh turned out to be more than well we're just trying to stop kids from being born out of wedlock there's there's all these other things there's spiritual things about it there's new research coming out that women who've had more than five sex partners before they get married have only a 20% chance of emotionally bonding in their marriage to their spouse, right? So eight, so once you go past five or six sex partners before you get married, guess what happens? The whole bonding becomes very difficult for women. I mean, that's a shocking statistic to me. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing, well, not me, but I think what the world needs to realize is that immaturity really is bad for you. But maturity is good for you because maturity says, well, just because the world says it's okay, maybe there's a whole lot more there. You know, we, I've talked about G.K. Chesterton's principle of the wall. He says people sometimes go and tear down a wall before asking, well, why is the wall there in the first place, right? Because there may be other reasons. Instead of keeping you out of something, it may be keeping you safe from something. <laughs> so you have to ask yourself that question. Um, another example of this is how immaturity is really bad is communism, socialism, transgenderism, critical race theory, black lives matter, and more all examples of Christians, right? Immature in their faith being carried away by the culture. And then once the real agendas come out, they get hammered by it because it was a lie. It, it, you know, the, this passage 
in Ephesians goes on to say, look, maturity, when you're mature in your faith, it insulates you from the craftiness and deceitful scheming of people. You know, right now, like I just said, there's an epidemic of deception on our university campuses. First, there's a percent, a large percent of college students that prefer socialism and communism over capitalism or just basic political democracy. And it's like they never read the book Animal Farm. That's the whole point of the book. And that is, is that communism starts off with, oh, we're all equal. We're all the same. And by the end of the book, the pig says, well, some are more equal than others. Mm. Right. And they create a tyranny, a despotism. And well, only mature people go, yeah, I'm not going to buy into the lies of communism. It's a lie. It's always been a lie. And we have history now that proves it to be a lie. And yet today on college campuses, there are more communists than there are anywhere. It's amazing to me how, how bad it's gotten. Well, that's because of immaturity. Uh, there's another place where immaturity is exploding, and that is uh, this whole notion of the conflict between Israel and Hamas in the region of Gaza. And, you know, people are, are not mature in their walk. Well, people have no understanding of the history of that region. They have no understanding of the history of Islam. They just don't. And if you point out just the basic historical facts, you're attacked and canceled and called an Islamophobe, which is absolutely ridiculous when you're pointing out historical facts you know what's really really interesting is that when you're immature you can be deceived by that stuff you can be pressured by that stuff i was just reading one of the uh situations um a lot of people are not aware of i preached on this uh back in november of 2023 and i was talking about right now a lot of people are unaware that that nigeria in many of these african countries uh, are being overrun by the Fulani herdsmen, which are all Muslims. And they're just going in, they're killing Christians like crazy. And they kidnap the girls when they're young and forcibly marry them to older men uh, who then end up raping them, which in their mind it's not because they've been married to them. They, uh, are, they murder anybody who's educated. They go around, they look for Christian doctors and Christian professors, and they, they uh, target them for assassination. And what is really interesting is the stories that are coming out of these villages and these cities and these towns. You know, these are not just mud hut villages that this is happening. These are cities and towns that look just like the city and town you live in in many ways. Um, what, what the stories of these Christians are saying is that, uh, living in Nigeria, they say, well, we have lived for over a generation side by side with our Muslim neighbors. They, they said we would eat with them. We would socialize with them. Our children went to school together and played together. And then one day they were gone and the Fulani herdsmen came and then killed our men, stole our children. And then when they left, our Muslim neighbors stole our property. Think about that. That, that's, that is an immaturity of people. When, some, when someone says, well, I'm not like my religion specifically says I'm supposed to be. And then when the, the real reality hits the fan, that's when uh, people's true colors are revealed. 
in immaturity says, let's ignore what people say they stand for as long as they're nice to me and our kids can play together. Well, you want to be nice to people. Christianity calls us to treat people with respect, but it also tells us to be mature, right? And ready for those types of things. You have to be prepared. How do you navigate that? How do you know? If I may be so bold as to say, it's only Christian, Christianity, a Christian worldview that allows you to love people, that allows you to be oriented towards people, but still be completely realistic about people, right? Most people who believe only the best about people end up becoming cynics. All of these Christians living in these Nigerian cities now are very, very cynical, okay, of their neighbors that they thought they could trust, and it turns out that they couldn't. It's very similar during uh, the time of period of World War II. Is so many people said, well, German people would never do this, right? German people would never, ever do this, and yet the German people did it, and so... That, that's, that's what's really important to understand is that Christianity is a worldview that is unlike any other worldview because what it does is it says, I'm going to be mature and I'm going to be strong. I can love people. I can minister to people. But at the same time, I'm very realistic about people, right? And I'm not going to be, you know, immature and stupid and be deceived, tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. I'm just not going to do that Christianity uh, is the only worldview that allows you to do that. The 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 current situation in America, in particular, is alarming to me because atheism and other religions, belief systems, only have two options when it comes to human beings, and that is, human beings are completely good, meaning, or they're just benign. Um, or they're completely bad and evil, right? And they see people in binary terms. But only Christianity sees the innate value in every human being while at the same time recognizing the power of sin and deception over people. And so it, it, it allow, that's what being mature is, right? It's like, and parents understand this. You know, when you have a five-year-old, you love your five-year-old to death. You love your five-year-old and, and all their inquisitiveness and all this kind of stuff, but you always keep one eye on your five-year-old, right? Because you never quite know. That doesn't mean you love them any less. You're just very mature about what you, you don't give your five-year-old the keys to your car. And, and that's what's really important about Christianity is it allows us to be strong and mature, love people, care for people, minister to people, but also be really realistic about the ideologies out there and how destructive those ideologies are to human beings. Yeah, and I think it's really important to understand that, you know, like children, children are easily deceived, right? Yes. We talk about um, they watch a show and they believe that that show's real. They believe different things and different myths, different, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And they are easily, you know, they're very gullible. You can tell them kind of whatever, and they innately trust the people telling them that. But as you grow older, you go, okay, well, not everything that everyone says is true. Yeah. Everything I read on the internet is true, right? Like you become discerning because you've grown and gone, okay, well, I need to think through this more. I need to have a, a longer process of investigation on this before I just trust Mm -hmm. that this is a thing right mm -hmm. so talk to me a little bit um why it's why sharing our faith is critical 
to growing strong and mature in the faith? Well, first and foremost, when you start sharing your faith, you confront all of these ideologies, right? You, you confront all of these situations, all these doctrines. When you start sharing your faith, people are going to say opposing things or contradictory things, or they're going to bring up questions. Well, what about this? And what about that? Um, these ideas, these concepts need to be engaged with because you need to be able to say, well, I need to think that through one way or another. For instance, let's say you're in a small t men's group uh, doing discipleship, right? And then the, the situation in Gaza can come up in conversation. Why? Because it's a place where you can have frank and open discussions about these types of things. Maybe a conversation will come up about, you know, your teenage daughter and what she's going through with a boyfriend and what limits you have to have around that. Um, you might have a conversation about a teenage son wanting to drive the car and what kind of rules and do you still have curfews? You might have younger kids and you're going to talk about well, what's going on on social media. Uh, you might, you might, have a conversation of, hey, did you guys know that in our, you know, second grade class at elementary school, they're doing this kind of stuff. They're trying to teach our kids about gender identities and all this kind of stuff. You see, the point is, is that when you start sharing your faith in a disciple relationship or small group with other people, it, there's a place for these things to come up and actually have a conversation with them because they're kind of safe, mm -hmm. right? And you can actually talk about them. And so, because in a lot of ways, everything is so loaded, you can't have a conversation about these things with just anybody, right? right? Uh, another reason that you should share your faith is because it really grounds you. Uh, this is about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. There was a man in our church. He, he had become a follower of Jesus in his late 50s, right? And after about six months, he started to uh, uh, volunteer as a teacher to our elementary Sunday school class, one of them. And so I was like, hey, man, what's it like being down there with all those, you know, third graders and fourth graders? And he goes, well, he goes, in all honesty, Pastor, he goes, I really love preparing for the lessons. He goes, because I think I'm learning more than the kids are. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, the thing is, is that when you use your gift and when you're sharing your faith, you start learning more about your own faith. And that's why it is so important to share your faith and how it grows. When you begin sharing your faith, you're actively using your faith. And, and faith is like a muscle. It needs to be worked out. It needs to be used in order for it to grow strong. So the other thing I'd like to share about that is when you begin to connect a, uh, uh, a discerning lens through you know your, your filter, you're connecting this filter to all of this stuff that's coming at you in the world. And it'll come at you through your own kids. It'll come at you through other people at work or clients. It's going to come at you from extended family members. The question is, I need a discerning lens that is more accurate and more clear in order to investigate these things that are coming to me. The Hebrews passage is clear. Through constant use, you have trained your senses to discern good from evil. Just recently, there's been, I don't know, four or five families who have college students at Boise State. And they came up to me and they said, hey, have you heard about such and such a group on campus? They approached my child or my, you know, my college student and asked them to become a part. What do you think about it? And I said, uh, yeah, that's a cult. <laughs> that's a cult. Stay away from it, you know. But 
you'd never know that unless you, you know, because like what most cults do is they use deceitful scheming. Mm. So they use language that you as a Christian might be familiar with, right? And then they love bomb you, so to speak. They come in, they try to just bomb you with attention and affection and pressure. And then the next thing they do is they cut you off from your family. So I just said, yeah, don't, don't be involved in that. Don't be involved in that. I would like to just say, uh, is a sense of pride, if I may so, is that my son is a college student down there, and they approached him, and he didn't give them two seconds attention. <laughs> he just was like, yeah, you guys are weird. <laughs> no, no thanks. Right. You know, but, but I, I, how do you get to that point? When you can, you know, things don't pass the smell test on you. Yeah. Well, only by using your your faith regularly. He says you have trained your senses through constant use to discern. So the more you use your faith to discern these things, figure things out, make decisions, the more you're able to sniff out the good from the evil. And that's a big deal. Yeah, I think it's really important that you can have that discernment because there is so many ideas, especially with the invention of the internet. Like information is just bombarding you on a daily basis, right? It's crazy. Ideas, different ways of thinking, studies, quote unquote, things that are popping up, right? The way things are being written these days. We've gotten better at communication, which is great, but also we've gotten better at communication to be used in the wrong way. In the right? wrong way, yeah. And Disinformation so, is real. Yeah, and so being able to see clearly and discern good ideas from bad ones, discern what is uh, a manipulated graph in a way that it's like, oh, yeah, it says this, and that does seem good, but then you look at the rest of the study and go, oh, wait, no, that wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not good. Yeah. Um, so I think... You know, why does God use the sharing of our faith as a means of growing our faith? Wouldn't it just be easier if we could just like do it on our own? <laughs> just fit. Well, Christianity is not a religion, right? It's it's a truth proposition on how to connect with God, the creator of all truth. Therefore, you're constantly wrestling with the truth. Faith, reality, truth. Using your rational mind is just as important as experiencing the love and acceptance and value, forgiveness and redemption from God. See, it's all one. Faith is about the whole expression of the human soul. So it begins with redemption and healing and acceptance, uh, a sense of value that comes from God, right? I feel the love of God in my life. I feel the freedom uh, uh, from the burden of sin in my life. But now I need to exercise my rational mind in reality, in, in truth. That's a part of faith, right? That's the difference between an immature faith and a mature faith. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 2, listen to what he says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, is that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Therefore, the way we grow to maturity is by learning to share our faith using our minds, right? We actually disciple other people. We see someone. Um, we, we might be involved in discipleship, and then we turn around and try to disciple somebody else. We endeavor to learn our spiritual gift and 
use it. These are all really important things. And I think in this new year, that's what I want you to experience in your faith. I want you to experience a lot of new things so that you grow stronger, that you grow more mature, and that your discernment goes through the charts between good and evil. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor, so much for uh, sharing all that with us. Thank you for um, helping us get a a sense of where we're going this year, because I think knowing where we're going and understanding the overall focus of our of our studying and mm-hmm. that we are going to be tried uh you know going out into deep waters i think that's so important because you want to be prepared for that and you want to spend time in prayer with god going okay how are you going to take what pastor doug is talking about on the podcast and his messages at church and the nudgings you've already done in me god and how are you going to grow me strong this year how, what am i supposed to do where am i supposed to share my faith that I might grow in strength and maturity with you so that I mm-hmm. can have this discerning lens that um, we're talking about. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, listeners, we thank you so much for being part of uh, 2024 with us. And uh, our next episode will be episode 365, which wow. means you will then have enough episodes to get you through an entire year <laughs> Every of Salty Pastor episodes. <laughs> um, but we're going to just continue on on this journey that we're on of going out into the deep waters and expanding the kingdom of God. Grow strong, people. Grow strong.